You are are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. I am super honored and excited for today's guest. James Altucher has started and ran more than 20 companies and is currently serving as an investor and advisor to over 30. But at one point, James lost everything. In a matter of months, his account was drained from $15 million to $143. Depressed and on the floor, James realized today's standard view of success comes with conditions and the only effective way to be successful is to choose yourself. Now, James Altucher is a successful entrepreneur, angel investor, chess master, and the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Choose Yourself. You can find his best and most controversial advice on the Altucher Report, which provides you with James's personal research in business, finance, and entrepreneurship. James also has his new upcoming book, Skip the Line, coming out February 2021, which you can pre-order right now at all the major outlets. I'm excited to welcome James Altucher to Making Bank today. Josh, thank you so much for having me on the show. We've, we've known each other for years. It's our first time on each other's podcast. I, I really appreciate it. For sure. An honor to have you. And uh, thank you to our good friend, Philip Stutz, for making it happen. <laughs> he, yeah, Phil's, Phil's great. He's awesome. We actually use him as part of their marketing and data side of stuff for our e-com company. So he, uh, he's great there. So. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a smart choice. How, how has that data helped you? Like, you know, because I, his data has helped me when he... When he, so, so just to summarize, yeah, sure. they interview like 20, 30,000 people and they figure out the concepts that people are most uh, receptive to hearing. So yes. for instance, during the pandemic, um, safety and local were important concepts. Before, I mean, I should say during, it's during, still the yeah. pandemic going on. <laughs> but uh, before the pandemic, it was concepts like luxury or, or whatever. But, you know, it kind of is a strong... You, you know, as long as you're being authentic, it tells you what sort of messages you need to talk to your audience about uh, based on that's very data based. Yeah, no. And that's a great point. I mean, we um, we had actually worked and started all the data process right before all of this. So we had kind of had the pre, you know, what our customers were looking for, where they were at, what they were buying, what platforms they were on. And then he provided us updated data reports, as you kind of mentioned, after the fact. And so we've been able to apply it um, messaging and through videos and static and things like that to uh, make sure we're communicating directly with what um, our customers and everything are looking for at the moment. So, Yeah, that's great. No, Phil's, Phil's a smart guy. So tell me a little bit about, I guess, I've read a lot on your background. I've followed you for a long time. And, you know, it's not just once. I mean, you've kind of gone broke twice and and reinvented yourself and at one point I know you were um you kind of had sold everything and were carrying your bag and traveling around hopping between (laughs) friends apartments and stuff like that so kind of just tell us where you are now and then we can kind of work back and then and and go from there yeah you know it's funny no one's ever asked me that but uh you know I'm first off I'm 52 years old and for the past 20 25 years or more I've been very active in entrepreneurship and I would say of those 25 years, um, a good 23 of them 
I was horrible and made millions of mistakes. And I knock on wood that I'm grateful that I spend time learning from those mistakes. And, you know, hopefully I've gotten to a point where I'm aware enough of when I'm making them again and how to avoid them. You know, there's three skills to making money. It's, it's making it, keeping it, growing it. And everyone always wants to know, well, how do I make it? How do I make it? And they forget about keeping it and growing it because it's, it's a discipline that you have to build even before you make it in order to make sure that you, that you keep it and grow it and, and really truly become wealthy. And then even making it, everyone is focused on what's a good idea? What's a good idea? Okay, now execution. Uh, okay, thanks for the idea. Ideas are dime a dozen. Execution's everything. How do I execute? How do I execute? And they don't realize that you know, ideas are not a dime a dozen. A good idea is very difficult, and you have to have a, a very powerful, what I call idea muscle, to have a good idea. And second, execution sort of is everything. I mean, I know uh, the problem is there's a spectrum of execution. So I know people who execute very poorly so that the, the more they execute, the more they guarantee their business is going to fail. And I know people who execute very well. So even with a bad idea, sometimes they can execute their way to success. But then even another layer before the making money is building up the disciplines and the, the lifestyle uh, and the health so that you're capable of having a good idea, executing on a good idea, selling a good idea, marketing a good idea, managing uh, uh, the people involved with a, a good idea, networking about a good idea. So there's a whole discipline underneath that, that one has to develop to even be ready to have an idea. And so, so on the flip side of that, where am I now? I feel like I am uh, finally growing it as opposed to just struggling to make it and, and keep it. But I have a very, you know, I, I, I've been, you know, I haven't had a full-time job in over, in almost 25 years. And it's a very volatile lifestyle as, as, as you know, Josh, sure. as many listeners know, it's a very volatile lifestyle. There's, there's ups and downs. And during the downs, you can't help but think, oh, this, if this down continues, I'm going to go broke again. And, and, and then there's also a feeling when things go up that you feel like invulnerable. I'm Superman. I can do everything. So, you know, managing those ups and downs and the psychology of it is, is, is part of the process and, and learning to enjoy life before it's too late is part of the process. So I would say I am uh, right now, this moment, I'm extremely happy because first off, for the first time in many years, I, I, I got that entrepreneur, entrepreneurship bug again, and I'm starting a, a company and I'm very, that I'm very excited about working on a product. I'm also involved in, you know, you mentioned my book, Skip the Line, it's coming out in February. I feel like this is by far because of where I am now in in life. I feel this is my my best book ever. Like I'm really excited about this book. Uh, I think it'll be essentially the last book in this particular genre, which I don't know how to define. That that I'm like choose yourself was in this genre where it's these stories about myself, but also you could weave a, a self betterment message through that. So that, I don't know what genre that is. It's like a narrative nonfiction slash self betterment genre. And I'm working on various uh, other creative projects that I'm excited about. And I, I, I love to play games. I have more, I, I play chess every day. So I'm just in, enjoying my life at the moment. 
the bad side is I, I recently wrote an article where a million people hated me and that that was a little unpleasant. <laughs> 28 million people loved it. Right. But you don't but, but they're but they are normal sane people who just move on with their lives and the million who violently hated it violently hate. That 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 was the New York article. Yeah. Yeah, was Seinfeld you guys back. <laughs> yeah, which by the way, most people 95% of people who read that article either loved it or I was or like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, they just said to themselves, okay, yeah, they, they would nod to themselves, yeah, that makes sense, let's right. see what happens. And then, like I said, they move on with their lives, but then there's this 5%, which turned out to be over a million people, 5% are like, this guy is the worst human being and let's kill him. <laughs> and so it was a lot of, a lot of painful stuff uh, during the past two months. So do, in question on that, I mean, do you think all of that, all of that is more amplified right now during this time? Like, it seems there's a lot more right now where it's like, it's either cool people are happy with it or on the other spectrum, there's a, just a ton more people that are just like, ah, I'm coming for you. This is the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, definitely more people in, in terms of that specific article, definitely more people loved it than hated it. Right. Um, and I know this for var in various ways, like my follower accounts went up and I also got a lot of very nice emails and I just know the percentages of how these things work. Like if for every one person who sends me a hate mail, there's usually nine people who like it, but they're, again, they're normal people and they don't do anything. <laughs> but was it amplified because there's been this lockdown? A absolutely. Because, you know, when, when you, when you, tell people to stay at home and do nothing for six months, mm. the first time they have an opportunity to express their voice, and I respect this, they're going to express that voice very loudly. They wanna be heard. And uh, this is a time when many people were not heard and didn't feel heard, uh, whether it was about the virus or whether it was about the election or whether it was about the lockdowns or Black Lives Matter. Many people on, on every side of every equation here did not feel heard. And that leads to, yeah. you know, uh, sometimes it leads to violence. Sometimes it leads to, you know, an anger that really could be directed in, in, in a different direction for in order to have solutions. And I think we've seen all of this in, in the past few months. Yeah, no, for sure. So kind of take what was that kind of that turning point for you through a second time, of, you know, losing you know, millions of dollars? What was kind of that change? that needed to happen that kind of got you back on the right track now? Yeah, I think, so So I started a business and then I, I'm gonna just quickly go through it. Like I'm gonna yep. do the 60 second time. For line, sure. Which yes. is almost impossible for me, but I'm gonna try to. <laughs> started a, 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 a business in the 90s, made every mistake in the book, every mistake in the book, but still managed to sell it, made 15 million cash. It was not paper, it yeah. was cash in my checking account, not even my savings account, which maybe was part of the problem. But then I, uh, I, I didn't even get a chance to really spend it. I invested it poorly after I had converted it to cash. After I had the insight that this internet thing is gonna be a stock market bubble, I chose to invest in almost all internet companies with the entire 15 million, and then the bubble burst. Oh yeah. And so then starting from scratch, which is not, what it sounds like. It's not like you're starting from scratch. You're starting from negative scratch because I was so depressed. It's one thing moving to the city with nothing in your bank account 
and you're, you know, struggling and you have your peers that are also struggling and you go out together and you exchange ideas and the world's exciting and blah, blah, blah. When you go from 15 million to nothing in your bank account, it's just sheer, like I felt like killing myself almost every single day. I was so depressed. Mm. Nothing was helping me, no medication, no therapy, you know, having two little babies. Everyone said, oh, spend time with your babies. That'll cheer anyone up. No way. Like that, it's the exact opposite because I would spend time with them and I would think, you know, I'd be holding them and I would be looking at my daughter and I'd be thinking, all mm. I would think is, man, I ruined your life. You're only a baby and your life's already ruined because I'm your father. So it did not help at all. And, you know, and then, you know, I saw, I started other businesses. I sold them. I would go broke again. I started other businesses. I sold them. I would go broke again. And I would, I would go broke in every possible way you could go broke. It was just miserable. And so finally I took a step back and I said, I can't even deal with this anymore. I just can't function. And at, during this time, I also had this, uh, another career writing. I was writing for many newspapers like the Financial Times, the Wall Street Journal, right. um, Yahoo Finance. I, I had written a dozen or so books. And I said, you know what? I'm just gonna take a step back. I'm basically gonna downsize uh, and I'm going to focus on the things I love and enjoy. Cause I did not love entrepreneurship at all. I hated it with a mm. passion. I never enjoyed entrepreneurship. And I started writing and really that led me to really explore not only the art and skill of writing, but it allowed me to explore my inner self and what was going wrong. Cause I would write stories about where I had made mistakes. I always wrote these stories about where I went wrong and they started to build an audience because I was saying the things, everybody would write me afterwards and say, oh, I can't believe you said this. I've been wanting to say this, but I'm afraid of what people will think of me. And so I just kept writing these stories where I, the thousands of times I did something wrong and you know, I made books out of these stories and, and then also helped me figure out like, oh, you know, when you write something, you think about it differently than when you just think about it. And right. so I was able to see from a different perspective, the language of my hands typing words. Oh, this is where I went wrong. This is where I forgot to do the, the daily discipline I was doing before. And, you know, and then I would also study other businesses and other, uh, I, you know, heroes of mine and, and break down their success analytically and say, oh, this person did this. I didn't do this. I should start doing this. And so I, and then I started a podcast where I was able to directly talk to all of my heroes in life and see how they put together their success and came back from their failures. And it taught me so many. I do the podcast for me. I'm grateful right. that I have listeners, and I'm sure you feel the same way. But sure. like, it was a way for me to call up anybody I wanted and say, instead of just saying, hey, I want to talk to you. Can you talk to me? I said, I have a podcast. You want to go <laughs> on my podcast? And they would say yes. And I learned so much, you know, I've done like almost more than 700 of these. And That's every awesome. time I, I learn something and I take notes and often I write about it and it's, it's changed me. And then I keep, I keep my daily discipline now without fail, which often I had skipped and I've become a much better investor. So every aspect of my life has through, through hardcore experimenting and trial and error, every aspect of my disciplines throughout the day have become better and hopefully you know so far the results seem better and more consistent and hopefully it 
continues that way. I'm knocking on on glass right now. I don't know if that's bad luck. <laughs> I, got, I got a wood over here. I'll knock for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. No, that's um, and what's interesting. One of the things I was when I was uh, looking at some background stuff and things on you, and it's kind of interesting because I kind of put together something similar in my life was um, I call mine mastering the four pillars of the integrated lifestyle, which is family, faith, fitness, and entrepreneurship. Wait, wait, fa family. I'm gonna write uh, it down. Oh, sorry. Yeah, family, faith. Oh, I'm sorry, faith, family, fitness, and entrepreneurship. Okay. Oh, it's too bad. There's no F for entrepreneurship <laughs> yeah, I know trying to figure out the best fit for it but um but what I kind of what I saw you you kind of have the four bodies which was pretty similar and I'm like oh wow that res really resonates which was like physical emotional mental and spiritual and just it in how that has helped you and so I was just kind of curious um how you're utilizing that and how you've seen that help you become better yeah, and and by the way, they match very nicely with your family, faith, fitness, right. entrepreneurship. There there's some differences, but they could they the differences overlap. So, you know, so I always imagine uh, when I picture it in my head, uh, uh, I picture like a, a a body. So if my blood gets blocked anywhere in my body, then I'm gonna have a heart attack. The mm -hmm. heart won't get the blood that it's used to from its from my leg because there's some blockage and I'll end up with a heart attack and I'll die. And so I view that I view it that there's four bodies. There's your physical body. And as you mentioned, you have to stay in shape and keep your body healthy. There's an emotional body. So we don't realize how much effect our emotional lives has on our success as business people or athletes or competitors and or employees or whatever. Like if you're arguing with your wife all day or your friends all day, you're not gonna you're not gonna get out of bed with a, a great business idea and be able mm. to execute on it. You're right. just gonna spend that energy arguing with your spouse or, or your family or your friends or your community. Even uh, this election, arguing with people on Twitter about, oh, you know, the fly on Mike Pence's head, that is energy you're taking, <laughs> that second or 10 seconds or hour or days that is exactly time you're taking away, you are subtracting from your lifespan that could have spe been spent on doing something that actively improves yourself, improves your family, your friends, your colleagues, your community, your country. And, and people act like, no, no, I got to convince these people on Twitter. They're all anonymous on Twitter. Right. A very small percentage of the people you're arguing with are actual voters, and even a smaller percentage are people who are going to change their mind. I would argue zero percentage of the people you're arguing with are going to change their mind, and that's <laughs> yeah. why you're arguing with them. And uh, you could have been doing something that is starting a business or spending time with family or doing push-ups, whatever, or sleeping. You know, so 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 in any case, and then there's these four bodies, but uh, which is physical, emotional, uh, mental, and spiritual. And, and then I also view it like if, if, if the blood stops flowing in any of those bodies, you'll have a heart attack in that body. So if I'm spending too much time arguing with a friend, I'll have a heart attack in my emotional body, which will mm. get, get me out of action. If, if, if I don't have a spiritual backdrop to, you know, to fall back on, and it might be a religion, it might be a form of meditation. It might be, you know, 
kind of the the AA spiritualism, which is you know don't try to control, don't you know surrender to right the things you can't control. Um, so that's the the spiritual body, and I see them as all connected, and there's blood flowing between those four bodies, and if if there's any stoppage, like if my mental body is not connected with my emotional body, so they're all feeding each other, then I'm going to have an overall heart attack between the four bodies. So that, anyway, that's the metaphor I play with in my head, and it and it has worked for me. So that's why that's why I state the whole thing. You know, that's awesome. I thought it was just super cool. It's like, oh, this aligns pretty close to what you know what I had kind of put together just from living and trying to figure things out and like back, you know, years ago, it was like, oh, how can I balance stuff? Well, you really can't balance because then you're always fighting one direction or another. And, and so how do you bring it all together and connect it and make it flow synergistically? So that's right. Like, like if you, if you're sick in bed, for instance, you're going to have, you better have a strong faith component in your life or, or spiritual or religious, whatever you want to call it. So that, so that will a, help your life to continue going, right. um, you know, in the sense that your work and things like that. But also, you know, faith will, will help you get better. I have faith that I'm going to get better. I'm not going to succumb to whatever it is making me sick. And maybe it means I need to improve my physical habits so I avoid getting sick or so I get healthier. But you need that that faith to, to give you insight into some things that are impossible to have insight about. And I think a lot of people question the word faith or question the word spiritual. Like, I don't consider myself, for instance, a man of faith in the traditional sense. But you, you know, like like a, a Christian might have faith, for instance, that Jesus walked on water. A right. Jewish person might have faith that Moses was given the Ten Commandments by God uh, and, and on and on. But I do think you look at on a global scale, look at countries which over that historically have not had any kind of faith whatsoever. So, uh, and this is not a, 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 a shade against communism, but like definitely the Soviet Union and Maoist China yeah. and, uh, and even Nazi Germany did not have a component of faith. And that's why those leaders killed tens of millions of people, tens of mm. millions. It's never happened before or since in human society. Uh, and those essentially were the first countries with no faith at all in, in, in anything. And, you know, I'm sure there was groups, but, you know, faith is an important part of, of society and then family and, and, and expanding the, your, the definition of family. It's not just your, your mother, father, wife, brother, sister, kids, it's your community, it's your colleagues, like this is your family. And that's how, you, you know, in a lot of research, the three sources of well-being, not happiness, but well-being, right. are community, uh, a sense of mastery, and a sense of freedom. And mm. family is your community because you, you in the book, The Blue Zones, which is about these six or seven areas of the planet where people live to an above average lifespan of over 100 years old, community is an important part of living, to have, having a high quality of life over the age of a hundred. It's so it's not just wow. diet, it's not just fitness. Family is an important you know, community. I'm just substituting the word substituting the word community. Community is an important part of, of living longer and living healthier. And of course, entrepreneurship is 
is the backbone of our economic belief system. So people say, oh no, what is he talking about? We live in a capitalist society. What is entrepreneurship? Uh, you know, entrepreneurship is a part of capitalism, but only a single part. But that's not true. We do not live in a capitalist society. You know who made up the word capitalism? And when I ask people this, people start quoting, you know, Adam Smith, The Wealth of Nations, and, you know, all these right. kind of initial books about, you know, the economy. But if you look at The Wealth of Nations written in 1776, the word capitalism is not mentioned once. If you yeah. look at um, the the Communist Manifesto written by Karl Marx and, and Frederick Engels, mm. capitalism is all over the place. Karl right. Marx invented the word capitalism because he used it to counter the the word communism, which or Marxism, which is uh, you know, so capitalism is basically just somebody accumulates capital off of the backs of people who provide labor but don't get the benefit, don't get the full benefit of that labor. Sure. So whenever there's any extra capital accumulation that leads to two different classes the the owners and the workers and eventually that will lead to class struggle and then revolution and so capitalism is a very negative view and i prefer innovationism so mm. if you think about it a country prospers the more uh, innovations it's able to produce so right america is great because Planes come from here, cars come from here, the internet, computers, and so on. We're in, we're, it's an innovationist country. And then you start to ask yourself, okay, well, then I could look at every single possible policy. Is this pro-innovation? Will this encourage more innovations? Or will this encourage fewer innovations? And that's a better way to view policymaking than capitalism. Because what what's a capitalist policy? That's just like, oh, let me keep more money. That doesn't improve sure. your economy or world or community. So so looking at things in the, from an innovationist view, I think, is more powerful than a capitalist view. But entrepreneurship is all about innovationism. And so the less barriers to for humans, either on a personal level or a policy level, the le fewer barriers to entrepreneurship, the fewer barriers to innovations, which will make you prosperous and your country prosperous and then the world prosperous. So it all fits together. I know. And I agree. I mean, that's, I've looked at that a lot lately is, <laughs> you know, from the capitalist standpoint and the whole socialism and then kind of what you were talking about from the idea innovation standpoint. And, uh, and it's interesting. And, you know, I just happened to go through some of that literature and stuff with the whole thing with Marx and, and all that um, probably like two weeks ago. So, uh, so as entrepreneurs and, you know, as we're going and innovating and coming up with ideas and everything and through all your ups and downs, what was maybe like one key component, whether it was mentorship or who you surround yourself with, that's really helped you, um, you know, continue to be able to climb and stay with it and grow. Right. So in addition to um, making sure, you know, again, you have to be physically healthy. If you're sick in bed, right. you can't start a company. If you don't surrender to the things you can't control, you'll be too busy trying to argue on Twitter or whatever it is that you're not controlling well. Um, and, and, you know, so assuming you've got that, all that, for me, I call it a daily practice of making sure I've checked the box on all four of those items. Really the most important thing for me is exercising the idea muscle. Hmm. So you look like you're in shape. Do you work out in a gym? Uh, so I used to have, own some CrossFit gyms, but now I have one in my basement. So, <laughs> right. So you not only worked out in a gym, you own gyms. Yeah. So, uh, so good for you. 
Um, but if you don't, let's say you have an accident and you're, you're, you're okay, but you just have to like lie in bed for four weeks. So you have to lie in bed and not move for four weeks. Mm. If you get up and walk, right, you'll, your leg muscles will atrophy so fast, you'll need physical therapy to walk. And muscles atrophy very quickly. Now, the idea muscle, the muscle in your brain, the part of your brain where you come up with, where you're creative and you come up with ideas and you connect the dots in society to figure out how you can contribute to it, that's a muscle and it needs to be exercised. Most people think, I'm just gonna wait till ideas hit me like lightning. Sure. And you can't do that because you you won't, your idea muscle will have atrophied. So when the good idea comes along, it's just gonna, it's just gonna skip right over you. You won't, you won't be able to recognize it. So the way you exercise that idea muscle, there's lots of ways, but the way I do it is every single day, um, I take, every single day I take a waiter's pad and I write, 10 ideas down. Mm. So, uh, and I've been doing that, I would say on and off since 2002, when I first wow. found a box of waiters pads. <laughs> and I will say in 2002, just the process of doing that saved my life. Like that was when I was the most depressed, the most considering killing myself. And I started writing these, I, I wrote my first idea list down. And I felt for the first time in, in two years, I felt like, excited like thing i felt it like things started connecting in my brain and after a few weeks of doing it it was like my brain was on fire and because my idea muscle had been activated and it had never had been really activated before and, and of course the older you get the more you have to exercise it like with anything else and the times when i went broke was when i wasn't writing 10 ideas a day down or when hmm. i wasn't keeping in physical shape or when i was indulging too much in toxic relationships or when I was trying to control too much the things I can't control. But certainly writing 10 ideas a, a day down helped me considerably in terms of coming up with new ideas that led to either entrepreneurship opportunities or investment opportunities or book opportunities or podcast opportunities, or it doesn't have to be any of those. It could be opportunities of things I enjoy and that I'll make no money and get no benefit from. Um, no superficial benefit from, but might change my life in drastic ways. It all comes from having a very active and powerful idea muscle. And whenever I forgot to do this practice, I would go broke within hmm. months. It, wow. it was like clockwork. I would go broke once I stopped exercising that idea muscle. And like, you know, even like today's idea list, I called it cities 2.0. So 10 ways I think cities might change over the next few years, given how this lockdown is affecting you know, cities overall. And, you know, we were just talking about another, before the podcast started, we were talking about another project I'm working on that right. purely came from an idealist that I shared with somebody who said, who wrote back to me and said, let's do it. And boom, suddenly I'm doing this project that will have, you know, you know, hopefully huge impact. And the, the company that I'm excited about starting now, first company I've ever been excited to start, actually, to be honest, because I've hated entrepreneurship every step of the way. Uh, you know, it came from having an idealist about what changes are happening in society now that are completely different now that we've had this pandemic and, and lockdown. And, and I don't know, this process is a bit of writing ideas down is a very exciting process for me. 
No, I like that. That's awesome. Do you, so when you're, when you go to do it, I mean, do you have a certain focused intention? Like I'm writing ideas focused on this area or is it just kind of random stuff that comes into your head? Like what's the best way to go ahead and do that? Yeah. So, so sometimes people think it's always business ideas. It's, it's sure. not, it's really, the whole purpose is to exercise. So it could be business ideas, book ideas. I could say, Oh, here's ideas for Josh Felber's, you know, CrossFit gyms. And then I would write the ideas and, and sometimes uh, they'll be good enough or I will think that they're good enough. I don't really know that I'll share them with you. Okay. So I, often it'll be, or maybe it might be um, ideas for how Amazon can improve their self-publishing, how Google can improve uh, their, uh, you know, education, you know, Google education, mm. how Quora can improve. Uh, here's 10 ways for Airbnb to improve. And often I've been able to share my idealists with Airbnb, Amazon, Google. So, and then, the, and then people were like, oh no, don't you, do you have to get them to sign an NDA first? Or what if they steal your idea? Let them steal my idea. I am happy. The more I, my ideas get out into the world, the more the world again is created by me, whether someone stole an idea or not is, is irrelevant to me. And so as a consequence, I have been out to Amazon, you know, they invited me out there talking about my ideas. I've been visiting, I visited LinkedIn at their invitation to talk about my ideas. I visited Google, I visited Facebook, I visited Twitter, Quora, Airbnb, you know, I visited all these places and now I, I didn't get paid for anything like that. But now if I start a company and I call Airbnb, someone will pick up the phone and you never know or, or, or not. Like, right. you know, I may never call them and there may never be any practical use for my ideas other than just that it exercises my idea muscle. But sharing ideas is a critical part of, of what I do as well because it's, it's created so many opportunities for me. It's ridiculous. No, that's awesome. And dude, we're like jamming. I just realized I'm like, holy crap, we're like <laughs> running low on time. I'm, sorry, I can't, <laughs> I'm like, I, all right, we're going to definitely have to have like a version two of this. <laughs> I'm sorry I talk so much. No, no dude, it's been awesome. I, I've been like taking notes and like uh, just listening to everything we go. So before we kind of wrap up here, what uh, something you're like, oh man, Josh, I was hoping you were going to ask this, but you didn't ask it. I just really want to share that and get this out there right now. Oh, so many things. I mean, I'm really excited about lots of different things. Like I'm excited about my book that's coming out, Skip Skip the Line. And it's, a, it's you know, I've changed my interests and passion. Everybody's like, oh, I got to figure out what my passion is, what my purpose is. I've changed entire careers like over a dozen times, mostly because I was either bad at a prior career or I would lose interest, which is normal. Sure. And there's no one passion or one purpose. And so what do you do if you spend, let's say someone out there has, has spent 30 years as a marketing manager for Procter and Gamble. And then because of this pandemic, they got laid off. Well, what do they do now? Well, they might say, well, I've always had a passion in cooking. What do I do? I'm not a, I'm not like Wolfgang Puck. I'm, not, I'm never going to be the best chef in the world. I'm 55 years old or 50 years old or 45 years old. What do I do? And so I've changed passions so many times. I got good at the particular skill of figuring out how to very quickly um, skip the line and be mm. in the top 1% of whatever your new passion is so you could start to monetize it because 
there's only so much you could do in a passion before you need to start making money from it or else you'll have to not do it so you can make money and support your family. And so that's that. And I was always grappling with this idea, this concept of the 10,000 hour rule where, right. oh no, you can't skip the line. You need to put 10,000 hours before you're good at something. And really through a lot of, again, trial and error, I figured out that is not true. And that the 10,000 hour rule is good and important for many areas, but it's if you wanna skip the line and become the top 1% in your passion or industry or career, there's many things you can do where you don't need to put in the 10,000 hours before you get to that point where you're acknowledged as being in the top 1%, you're getting paid for it, and you're, you're enjoying the thing you're most passionate about, which is gonna be a critical area of life now. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, people being able to reinvent themselves and and to get to the top of whatever area that they're in is, you know, definitely a significant um, opportunity. So and then, yeah, guys, make sure you guys uh, you can pre-order his book. Um, it's available now on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble pre-order and all that. And then, James, where should they go find more information about you? Well, everywhere. Certainly they, they found out <laughs> a lot about me on the Josh Felber podcast. So re-listen to this episode or other Josh episodes, but also, um, you know, I have a podcast, the James Altucher show and, uh, my, my most popular book to date is called choose yourself. And, or if I'm in your town performing stand-up comedy, I've, I've been a stand-up comedian for the past six years, please come out and say, hi, I don't know what your town, where your listeners, what towns they're in, but I, I travel all over and at some point, I'll perform in your town. So um, that's about it. Awesome. Hey, guys, I hope you guys are really taking notes, paying attention, listening, and uh, watching what James has had to say today. Amazing different stories, lots of insights that are woven in there that you guys can take and start applying right now, whether it's in your personal life, uh, in your business, and especially with all the stuff going on, make sure you have a family, have a community around you for that support. So again, James, I really appreciate you coming on Making Bank today, and uh, thank you for your time. Josh, I really appreciate you asking me to, to come on, and uh, thanks so much. I hope to do this again. I am Josh Felber. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.